about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. What a disappointing week it has been for Notre Dame football. Just shortly after recording our last podcast, news breaks that the Fighting Irish will have to cancel their game against Wake Forest because of positive COVID tests. Um, This was not expected at all. And because of the bye week, they're hoping that the 14 days off will be enough to contain it. So here we are. I'm joined by Steve. We do not have any Wake Forest stuff for you. We were really excited for that one. Steve, what are your thoughts on the current situation? Ah, man. Um, It's funny because I just came from South Florida over the weekend. I was in Tampa, Um, you know, just on on a quick getaway. Things are definitely wide open down there. Um, So... Not sure if our recent spike would have come from contact with USF or if this was something more internal on the Notre Dame campus. Either way, it stinks, but sounds like everyone that has it, from what we know, uh, is doing okay. You know, young, healthy guys, most of them hopefully asymptomatic, just positive. Hopefully with this time frame, you know, we can get a lot of, if not most guys, healthy again, back on the field next Saturday. So that's uh, that's the hope for sure. So that kind of leads us into the big question. Um, how confident are we that uh, Notre Dame is even going to come back? And the reason I, I say this is at the time of recording, it's been released that 18 more positive tests have been discovered. 24 players are in in isolation and 14 others are in quarantine. Um, So that went from 12 positive tests to 18. Um, But, and something important to note, practice is actually allowed to resume. So I guess this is going to be a pretty big week, whether or not it has infected more, in which case, you know, that could be pivotal. Or if they have the final, you know, quarantine, they have it finalized. So Steve, my question to you, how confident are you that we're going to see Notre Dame football? <clears throat> Sorry, just had to crack a smelling salt there. <clears throat> so, um, I'm confident. I mean, I think they'll get it under control. Um, you know, Notre Dame is a uh, a society, a a university, a um, you know a, a brotherhood, uh, so to speak, over the last hundred, almost two hundred years of some of the most brilliant minds that have ever graced this nation. <laughs> <laughs> so a little brag about how, you know, how great and intelligent, um, you know, the players are, the staff is, uh, the leadership is. And, you know, I think, um, I think that they're going to get a handle on this. Um, I, they're obviously taking everything extremely seriously, even after, after games, just in order to reduce any sort of contact, they immediately line up for the alma mater, uh, you know, with, with six foot social distancing, 
And the first time I saw it, I was like, why the hell would they do that? They just played a game. And then I saw someone make the point. It's like, no, like in case any of them got infected, they want to spread out. So they're doing all the right things. You know, it's just something that's unfortunately going to burn through a, a bunch of populations. Hopefully we can make this our one big spike, so to speak, of the season. You know, have the grace of this this quasi bye week. You know, it, it would, would have been either been next week or this week. And obviously we just shifted. So I'm hopeful. I think they'll get it intact because we we just have we have great minds at the university. And I'm I'm uh, I'm going to believe in their leadership because I am positive Steve this year. That's definitely new. Um, I'm. I think this is a pivotal, pivotal week because we've seen an increase in in cases, which means when they first found out all the results, it still spread, which means that if this spreads further, we could be looking at not playing next week. I think if this is just the 18 cases, and and they've got it all here and everyone who has contacted it is currently in isolation and it doesn't spread any further um then i think we're good i think you know we could play with a shortened roster um and i don't think that's the problem i think it's actually just if you don't contain it nobody is playing um and that's the big thing so what i did is um i put out on the podcast twitter account a poll asking how confident you guys felt um so far we're overwhelming confidence 90 percent of you uh think notre dame will be back this season 10 percent of you think notre dame won't and uh, some of the top comments i got here one is from eac i'm confident might need more of a high school blueprint and play guys both ways at times. Most of these players did this in high school. So I think that's a, a good point for a shortened roster. Um, however, if it doesn't get under control, it doesn't matter if you have enough players or if you can get players to play two ways. It'll just be, if it's not under control, we're not playing. Um, but that's, that is a good point there, and I think we will see maybe a little bit of that if we run, if we run a little thin. Um, we had another great tweet at us from fabs at fabio 227 and he said just saying this never happened until we joined the acc <laughs> so that's a good good dig First i'm always here conference. for i'm always here for for digging at conferences um i i'm a little worried i'll be honest with you because uh i don't know what i'll do with my life without notre dame football um especially where the season started off so well but um, I think that could, unless you have anything else you want to say about this COVID stuff in relation to Notre Dame, um, hopefully, you know, this is the bye week. Um, we wanted to have guests on, but we couldn't because of technical issues with Skype. So hopefully this is the recovery week. Everybody stays good. We'll be ready for Florida State next week, I believe. Um, and we will have an episode out next Sunday or Monday for, for Florida State. Um, but that being said, we could get into the world of college football in week four. Were you watching on Saturday, Steve? Uh, I was paying attention to the scores. I, I actually was trying to, I, w I was out on a golf course. I was trying, so I, I wasn't able to stream, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I was constantly updating. Obviously there was, uh, a couple of upsets, which we're most certainly going to get into, which greatly benefited us. Uh, very, very pumped to be jumping up to the number five ranking. Uh, and it, I, basically by seeing us be at number five, uh, and, and I don't think that Georgia is lasting this season without a loss. It, it essentially is a control your own destiny type of season. So I'll, you know, you're, you're our, uh, 
the resident expert of uh, of everything, basically. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to let you take us through game by game, and and we'll uh, we'll just recap everything. All right. Well, I think the first one to speak about um, in the first upset of the day was the Oklahoma Sooners losing for a second consecutive year to the Kansas State Wildcats. Yes. I think that's them. I remember that one year in 2012, they were um, they were a threat to uh, to Notre Dame's BCS entry spot until Baylor knocked them off. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, the, the talent discrepancy there was massive. Someone had tweeted out that there was 50, 5-0, four and five star players on the Oklahoma roster and none zero for Kansas state, which is you just don't even get a hurt. single four star, not a single four star on that roster. And this is two years in a row now. So they just have Oklahoma's number. Um, but before everyone gets too excited, Oklahoma lost to them last year and still made the playoff. So that's something to keep in mind. But as far as if Notre Dame could, let's say lose in the ACC title game and still get into the playoff, that's a big boost. Having having uh, Oklahoma lose early is a good sign towards Big 12 cannibalization. And we almost got one with Texas, by the way. Texas and Texas Tech went to overtime. In fact, Texas Tech had to blow an unbelievable Atlanta Falcon-style game just to lose that. <laughs> That's a great shot. Get, That's a great to get shot. Them in. <laughs> to back-to-back week for the Falcons. They, they That's have a ricochet. <laughs> but yeah so texas barely escapes oklahoma's down in week one so basically we're looking at the big 12 after one week and thinking i don't know if you escape here with a a, a champion who doesn't have at least two losses and if that's the case that opens up another spot for the acc or theoretically and more likely the sec but that that is the route we want to go the other big one today or saturday at least was lsu the defending champions Losing to Mississippi State, and I have to brag here. I, right in the early part of the first quarter, I live bet Mississippi State to cover and to win outright because I had such a good feeling after watching a drive or two that LSU were not the team of last year. And uh, fun fact, Steve, that is the first time a national champion has lost in the season opener since Michigan in 1998. And guess who they lost to? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Tom Brady choked <laughs> his first game at South Bend. So any thoughts there with LSU? Were you surprised? Mike Leach might be my favorite coach in college football. <laughs> he is so friggin' awesome, man. Uh, damn, that Mississippi State, that air raid offense, they they were they were unbelievable. Um <laughs> I mean, LSU, obviously they lose Burrow, uh, but, you know, they, they should be getting four-star guys to refill and reload. Um, so I don't think it was a lack of talent. I think it was a lack of preparation. You know, th- there's definitely a lot of inexperience there because they, lo- they lost so many players to the draft uh, in graduation. But, yeah, I mean, I-, I can't say it was unexpected that LSU was going to drop one this year so early was the surprising part, but hats off to Mike Leach and, and his team down at Mississippi State. Those Bulldogs played their asses off. Yeah, I was really surprised with what I was watching because I, I watched the game instead of doing work, schoolwork, that is. Um, and they were full of athletes on offense. I was surprised with how fast Mississippi State was moving whenever they got the ball. And I don't know if you knew this, but their quarterback um, I was the Stanford transfer. Yeah. 
Yeah, KJ Costello, right? Costello, yeah. He's transferring at Mississippi State, and he lit up for like 600-plus yards, set an SEC record, <laughs> um, which is hilarious because he looks very bad at throwing the ball. Like, you watch him throw it, and you're like, oh, that's, that's going to get picked off. And then he just goes out and destroys the LSU defense, who, in fairness, didn't have their uh, cornerback who is just an absolute machine there. Stingley? Stingley, yeah. If that's how you pronounce it. Um, so that was surprising, at least, to see LSU lose. Um, but I can't say I'm totally shocked. I mean, it's the first game of the year. Mississippi State's probably better than a lot of people think. So that's an interesting one. But the struggles for the top-ranked SEC teams didn't end there. In fact, Georgia, up until like the fourth quarter, was in a tight game with Arkansas or Arkansas State. Um, just something pitiful there. Um, I think it was Arkansas. Do you think they should be penalized in terms of rankings for that first game? Do you think that maybe they should have been knocked down a few more? Uh, maybe a peg or two. Uh, Texas as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they were not impressive whatsoever. Their starting QB was like three for seven with like a pick. And then he got pulled for some, some you know, no name. I, I tried looking up. I couldn't even find his star, his recruiting star ranking from high school. I, I tried, you know, did a quick Google search on him. So uh, he's probably a three, maybe a four-star kid, but was not expected to get onto the field. He did, and they were able to pull off the win. You know, Georgia still has an unbelievable defense, but <laughs> their offense looks abysmal. So, I like I said, I I think their defense will keep them in games, but I, I don't see them beating florida or bama yeah that was pretty shocking to me i i think georgia is in for perhaps a rude awakening um with this season coming up with how good the sec looks um i i just don't know what to do with them um i put out my rankings my personal rankings after the first few weeks i have notre dame third in the country right now clemson alabama and the next place starts with the irish for me Georgia didn't look good. LSU got knocked off. Oklahoma got knocked off. Um, Ohio State hasn't played yet. So for me, the Bulldogs um, aren't one that I'm super worried about, and uh, I I think they're going to drop a few games, like you've said. Um, But actually, going on to the ACC, some relevant stuff for us now, which is pretty sad, actually, that we have to keep track of the ACC. (laughs) Um, The Pitt Panthers... The ultimate trap game every year is no longer looking like an obvious trap game, but just a really tough game because they've moved to 3-0 and after beating Louisville. Uh, are you worried about Pitt any more than usual? Are you surprised they started off this well? Them beating Louisville uh, makes them a, a definite contender in my, uh, in my opinion. So they're, they're probably going to be the third team in uh, for, the, uh, for consideration for the, the conference title game. Um, you know, obviously a top two, but like that, I think they'll finish third in the conference Me, you know, Miami look good as well. So don't discount them. Uh, and then UNC is, uh, is coming to play this year. So I, I think there's, there's some decent top end talent in the ACC, which is only going to help us. I still think we are far and away at the very least, the number two team. And, and there's, <laughs> yeah, I'll argue until I'm blue in the face that we are the best team in the ACC. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, they're they're definitely surprising me. I think I've bet against them two times now and lost twice. So everyone keep fading me, but now I'm going to start rolling with Pitt. 
Uh, but yeah, they they uh, they look they look for real, man. Uh, they this is definitely one of those years where they're just that gritty team that if you get enough seniors, enough you know guys on on in the trenches that that are you know solid enough, they could definitely make some noise and cause some headaches, especially for Notre Dame as they have done historically. Yeah, I think that's one to to definitely keep an eye on. I'm a little surprised that we have five teams right now in the ACC ranked. Um, and not just because, you know, the big the Big Ten's out of it and the Pac-12 was out of it, but just genuinely on their own deserve to be ranked. Because North Carolina was ranked preseason. Miami has earned a ranking. Miami, or sorry, uh, Pitt has earned a ranking. Miami has absolutely been playing with fire, playing with lightning. I mean, they're, they're, we're going to get to them in a second. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. So that's a little surprising, I think, for the ACC to have started off so well. Uh, but it, it can only improve our strength of schedule. It can only improve our playoff resume argument. Um, but I think uh, I think Miami is something to worry about, man, because they absolutely pummeled Florida State. And I expected them to win. We all picked them to win. But I thought that would be a rivalry game where it was close. You know what yeah, I mean? I was Kinda thinking like 35-10, like 35-17. Like, I was, was thinking like... I was thinking a field goal. Like I thought Florida State was going to play them well, and then that was a, a absolute shellacking. Was that fifty-one or fifty-two? To I think 10? it was fifty-two. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal. And uh, something I said is that puts pressure on us a little bit. Not that we're directly competing with Miami this year, but they are in the conference, and that will be a common opponent. Mm-hmm. And if they beat Florida State by 40, 42, that's going to make us. You know, eyes will be on us, I think, to yeah. show that we are as good as Miami or better. Yeah, you've made the points time and time again that you have to have shared data points just to kind of measure up. And and for us to have to now blow the doors off of FSU, I think we're obviously going to beat FSU. They're a downtrodden program, man. But we we have to ball out in that game. There cannot We cannot have a sputtering offense, so Tommy's going to have to bring his A game. Yeah, I, I will. I don't want to preemptively make excuses, but... One, in rivalry games, it can go two ways, right? You can see, like, the Michigan game last year. You could see a close game, or you could see just, in a rivalry game, one side being way better than the other, despite them being similarly talented teams, right? You can see blowouts happen in rivalry games. So there is that one argument that Miami just got rolling, and when that when you, there's that hatred in that game, they just kind of blew the doors off them. Yeah, you don't and, even want to beat them. You want to step on their neck in the process. Exactly. And then there's also the counter that Notre Dame will have not have played in two full weeks. Um, so even though they're rested, they won't actually be clicking. So that's, you know, two things to consider when we look into that game. But I think we all would agree that Notre Dame has to blow them out. They have to cover probably whatever the spread is. Um, and what's concerning is that Miami's got a quarterback there in King who is performing lights out so far. And uh, and that could be a problem not just for us but for Clemson because they they run into Clemson this year, and wouldn't that be something if let's say we beat Clemson and then Miami beats Clemson and we have a Notre Dame Miami ACC title game? That will be honestly phenomenal. That'll be so much fun. I I want De- De- Eric King. I mean he's a phenomenal QB. Uh, he was probably coming into this year a fourth fifth round pick. And I, he might play himself up into early rounds. Maybe not a first. Um, but I, I could definitely see a team gambling a second or third on him. Yeah, well, I mean, he he suffered that nasty injury at UCF, and then I think transferred. Um, and he was a, one that everyone was keeping an eye on. There was rumors maybe him to Oklahoma. 
um, which would be just another Heisman there. Um, but, But I think he has the legitimate shot at the Heisman this year. I think Miami... I don't think Miami's a top 10 team per se, but I think there's a lot of talent there. And when you have a quarterback, you, you've seen what it can do, right? We've seen what uh, what kind of outcomes a good quarterback could have on a game. Um, so do you have anything else to say about uh, this last week of college football, which was a crazy, crazy week? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was kind of insane. Really wish that Texas Tech knocked off Texas because then you're pretty much guaranteed to have at, at a minimum, a one-loss team, uh, you know, competing for a playoff, and and you know, there's there would not be many arguments to be made over a one-loss Notre Dame against Clemson if if that were to how everything play out. Um, but yeah, so it, it stinks that that Texas te- uh, Texas was able to come back, but you, you know, they definitely look shaky, and Ellinger did not look great at all against a a porous defense. I mean, they they obviously scored like 50 something points but like for him to only have like 200 and you know 10 yards uh before those final couple drives when when tech just kind of pissed the game away uh yeah i mean that was that was that was more so a failure by tech than it was a, a success by texas so um yeah i mean that that's pretty much the the last thoughts that i had um so yeah that that's uh wrapping up Perfect. Well, let's get into the prediction game, which we've got going here for uh, the whole season this time, because we started it about halfway through last year. Um, a good week for everyone. Um, I finally, uh, am you're on the, the board. Game. Yes, I uh, I won the week actually. I went three and zero, and then you, P Wagon, and Michael all went two and one. Um, so Steve, on the year you're three and six. You're 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 getting back in there. Um, you're closing the gap. Uh, but uh, Wagon and I are at seven and two apiece. We're we're hitting almost seventy eight percent of our picks. Um, so let's get into the the games for this week. I know I've said I wanted to do in conference games, but the ACC conference schedule this week is just pretty gross. So I got three fun games for us. First game, and uh, you guys at listening can uh, can play along too, no problem. Baylor at West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia just did not do it for me this past week. I mean, obviously they lost, but like, I don't feel like they really looked good doing it. <laughs> if you're going to lose, at least put up a fight. And it seems like they, they seemingly could not. Uh, so I don't know too much about the Baylor program. I typically follow West Virginia. I had some friends that went there, so I always take a little bit of an interest in them. Um, so my heart says West Virginia, but my brain is saying go with ride with Baylor. So that's a Baylor pick. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the spread for this one is three in favor of Baylor. They are on the road, and anything can can happen. But I, I think Baylor's what only was it last year that they pushed Oklahoma twice, or was that the year before? I know they've been they've been kind of uh, you know making a, a little bit of noise over the last couple of years. So they're they're, did, they're basically when, on a rebuild from the arc. Well, when did Archie Matt Rule leave? Uh, he just year? left this past year. Yeah, so it was last year that they. Uh, they went to the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, I think they did. They beat them. Beat no. They they choked a game early in the season to Oklahoma, and I think they choked it again. Um, but so Baylor's got talent. You know, this isn't some six win team. I think this could be a a legitimate team in the Big Twelve, especially if the Big Twelve is trash again. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can't sleep on West Virginia either. I mean, they didn't play well last week against uh, it was Oklahoma State. 
Um, but you know, you know how Big Twelve football works, guys. No so defense. next game, and speaking of defense, uh, Texas A and M is traveling to Alabama. Who's going to win that one? Uh, I will tentatively put Alabama on upset alert, but just to get myself back into the win column, I'm going to pick Alabama. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I can't not pick Alabama at home, but I mean, A&M is frisky. They they certainly are. So it, depending I, on the spread, there might be some value there, but I still think Bama pulls it out. I will say this. Um, it is the early part of the season. We've seen a lot of wacky things happen. And, you know, this is a ranked team, and Alabama does not have Tua Tagovailoa. I can't see. I bought, I butchered it. How do you do it? <laughs> Tagliavoa. There we go. They don't have Tua anymore. Um, but I still think they'll win. I'll, I'll go with the Crimson Tide here. Um, one point going back to just all of last week, it makes me feel a lot better about Notre Dame's two-touchdown win over Duke than... I felt after the Duke game, after seeing how tight all of these games were and how many upsets there were, that Duke win looks a lot better. Um, and I think A&M struggled in their game. I think it was Vanderbilt, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't put them away like you would expect them to. So I'll go with Alabama here. I think Texas A&M is a little bit of a pretender this season because uh, they are ranked really high. So lastly, and I assume this is where college game day went, but it, maybe it's in uh, maybe it's in Alabama. But Auburn is going to Georgia in a massive SEC SEC West. Yes, SEC West matchup. Who do you got there? No, Georgia's in the East. Georgia's this is in the East. In, this is an interdivisional. I mean, the yeah. SEC is such a joke with the way they schedule it. But you got <laughs> Auburn, Georgia, Tigers against Bulldogs. Who are you going with? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm rolling with the Auburn Tigers here. Like I said, the, the offense for Georgia just looks abysmal. Now they have a, you know, a QB controversy basically. And you, you've got a kid who's about to make his first start against a very good roster. Uh, you know, and Gus Malzahn is one hell of a coach. So I, you know, Bo Nix is good. I, I think people kind of overrate him because of his name. <laughs> like, they, you know, they think like, oh wow, my God, like Bo Nix, like he has to be nasty. Uh, I think I think Malzahn will be able to scheme enough against the the Georgia defense to uh, this will probably be a low scoring game maybe like twenty three twenty I don't I don't think it's going to be you know piling up the points like we saw this past weekend um, but yeah I, I I don't think that the Georgia offense is going to be able to overcome uh, Auburn's offense if that makes sense. It does, and uh, and that's a death sentence, for me at least, because I also have the Auburn Tigers winning this game, and I've hesitated. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to be putting money on Auburn having seen Georgia's performance, and I don't think Georgia will play as poorly as they did last week. But just given the quarterback situation where there's nothing going on in Georgia, and then we have Bo Nix, who is, uh, I think, a, a quality quarterback, uh, maybe not quite the level people want him to be He's at quite yet. Good. He's definitely good. He's good. People people have like this really like awesome view of him, like as like yeah. this true freshman with a cool name. He's very good. I I don't think he's at the the top tier yet, but he has some promise. Yeah, and I think when you have a quarterback like that compared to what Georgia's got right now, and when you've got um just that kind of Auburn's a tough team to play with the way they the, the style they play. So mm-hmm. I think especially with no home field advantage anymore, I think Auburn's gonna take that one as well. Um, do you have P wagons picks at hand? Yeah. Let me pull my, I was just looking in the chat here. 
Oh man, sorry for the the dead air. Okay, I got it. So he picked West Virginia, Alabama, and Georgia. Ooh, this is a gonna be a pivotal week in terms of the four horsemen yeah. prediction <laughs> game. Do do so, I finally get back in the good graces of the gambling gods or uh do I continue to be snubbed? A big three and would put you at five hundred on the air. That would be a massive turnaround. Um let's get into your favorite topic, Steve recruiting we've promised to get into this at some point during the season this is steve's absolute wheelhouse and we've got lots of news and lots of updates from from that angle especially while notre dame's not playing any football so steve take it away yeah um so just recently i believe there was this past monday uh we had Dion colsey who originally committed earlier in the year then he decommitted and opened it back up and it basically came down to us or georgia because he is from Georgia. I think he's like not far at all from uh, from uh, Athens. Um, he might even literally be from Athens. But yeah, he's a four-star wide receiver, 6'4", 195. And we've seen in recent years, you think like Claypool, you think Miles Boykin, uh, even Kevin Austin. You, you, know, you need a big body guy on the outside that's going to be able to go up and grab the ball. And, and he seems like a freak athlete. So, uh, I mean, I saw his, uh, his mixtape he put out there and he's making like one-handed jumping catches like OBJ. So uh, that's a big get for us because he's a, a top 100 rated player. And for us to go into the heart of SEC country, pull out a top tier guy uh, who's on the cusp of being a five-star potentially, you know, that's, that's huge for us. That was a, that was big for us to recommit him again. Uh, then just recently, I think a couple of weeks back in August, we had Rocco Spindler. He is from Michigan and we went right into Michigan's territory and pulled a, a four-star offensive lineman. He's six, five, 315 pounds. Um, apparently his grandfather's like dying wish to him was to go to Notre Dame and he wanted to carry on that legacy. So that is awesome. I'm all in on Rocco. You know, I, I, I love the kid already because if, you know, <laughs> he, he just, uh, f- on, from the outside looking in, you know, it just seems like a really awesome kid. Um, another big one that we got, I think middle of May or, or sometime, uh, earlier in the year, we got a four star linebacker from Tennessee. Prince Collie, who can play running back and also a uh, linebacker. So he has uh, some sh- shades of Osita and Nakwu, who uh, is, is basically on the, the roster right now going back and forth between running back and linebacker. He's a, a great athlete on, on the roster already as a true freshman. So Prince Collie reminds me of him and, and uh, almost seems like, um, you know, some of the linebackers we had in recent past, you know, decent body build and, and can really uh, move around. And he's going to be an outside linebacker. So it's going to be exciting to see him, you know, transfer into kind of either the buck or rover position, more likely than not the buck. Uh, and then one that, you know, you got to be excited about because uh, sometimes the, the, the rankings are just not fair, especially from lesser you know, quote unquote, high school football recruit states is we got a three-star cornerback, uh, Ryan Barnes. He's a six foot two, 185 pound corner from Maryland and, and Maryland, you know, every once in a while they do put out some really good prospects. I believe Chase Young was from Maryland, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, he's, he's only a three-star, but at six, two, that's a, that's a big body on the outside. And, and Notre Dame has absolutely committed to having large cornerbacks to compete with, you know, large wide receivers. And he's an absolute athletic freak. Apparently he's like, 
the a man-to-man master. Uh, he's great with his hands. He's great with the press. Uh, so I, I think that he might end up being elevated to a four-star. If not, you know, I, I don't want to say shades of Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, who originally started as a three-star, worked his way up to a five. Uh, there, there's a lot of promise for this kid, Ryan Barnes. I don't think he will see the field his freshman year, but it, I, I think he's going to be a, an early-on starter, probably his, his sophomore year, the, just the way the roster's playing out. So yeah, he's exciting. You know, he kind of gives me the vibe of like a Julian Love or something like that. So uh, I'm really pumped for that. Um, we did have I'll let, you, couple... I'll let you take a breather there. <laughs> yeah. You've been, you've been going. Um, just catch your breath, you know. You know, I got this. Uh, <laughs> um, before you continue, I'll ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel this recruiting class stacks up to to ones in the past? One of the better, definitely yeah. one of the better. I mean, I I still would have liked a little bit more depth, because um, I feel like we only have like sixteen, seventeen guys. Um, you know, and and a couple of those are kind of just backfilled with, you know, some. You know, some three-star guys that are kind of just, you know, easy layups. They're lifelong Notre Dame guys. They're they're decent enough to get onto the roster. They 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 may work their way up, you know, on their you know in their senior or redshirted senior you know graduate years. So so there's there's some you know lower end depth that will will be picked up inherently. Um, but in terms of you know four-star guys, top end talent, we've only got maybe eleven of those. It would be nice to pull in a few more, and, and I'll get to that in, in just a minute. But all things considered, I, I you know, we're we're putting together the pieces that we need to, especially the QB coming in who was a five star got downgraded to a four star, but that was pretty, pretty much after he committed to Notre Dame, and that's very very common for this for them to downgrade our guys, uh, <clears throat> Chris Tyree, <clears throat> Kyle Hamilton, <clears throat> Jordan Johnson. Um, so yeah, it's uh, with Tyler Buckner coming in. You know, he's he's got a couple of wide receivers at his disposal. We have obviously a packed offensive line over the next couple of years. The pieces are starting to come together. And we're adding the the, the right guys in the right spots with the right size. I, I think that, you know, you know, this year is a big year for us. Next year is going to be even more important. And I think that's also contingent on, on how we play out this year. But uh, all things considered, I'm, I'm obviously very excited for it. That's good. That's good. I mean, I know we've got um, a chance at another top, not even top five, top 10, but like even top eight, maybe even crack the top five. Um, if certain four star guys get promoted again, and I know Blake Fisher is, has been by some of the uh, companies has been upgraded to a five star. Did so, you see with Blake Fisher, he, did you see his, uh, the blind side moment he had? Yeah. When he just oh, took man. a guy 70 yards. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, Pierre from the movie Blindside. He he carried a block legitimately 25 yards downfield and just absolutely pancaked this kid. It was hilarious. So love Blake Fisher, and he's very active on Twitter trying to recruit some guys, and and he has helped with bringing in talent along with Buckner. So uh, very exciting stuff. I will say this before I let you continue with your your godly speech uh, (laughs) over recruiting. Um, I think Tyler Buckner is clearly the crown jewel of this class, given his position, given where Absolutely. he's ranked, and given well, what state he's from. Uh, yeah. California is the answer. Um, and what I love about this class is how many weapons they're giving him. 
starts off with the offensive line, right? They get the top offensive tackle, and well, one of the top offensive tackles, and then the top offensive guard in Rocco Spindler. So he's got two four-star, borderline five-star offensive linemen, and then they go out and get him two highly rated receivers, in, plus with what we got coming in already and what we've already got there. So I really like the way they've built this recruiting class seemingly around uh, Buckner. Um, and I'm going to let you now just get into the rest of it because I know there's uh, there's a lot more to get to. Absolutely. And just a quick point on Buckner. Do you know what high school he goes to? Oh, I was looking up his profile. Uh, I don't know. I'll give you a hint. It's the same one that Reggie Bush went to. Oh, Helix High School out in California. So uh, there's obviously been uh, some proven talent out of there in the past. And it's uh, it's cool that we were able to go into USC territory and pull just an absolutely incredible stud from there. So um, and with the shakiness of, of Drew Pine, which we are very hopeful for his development over the next couple of years. But it looks like this is Buckner's job next year. Uh, as a true freshman, which honestly I'm very excited for because we can potentially have go from an, a three-year starter to a three-year starter, potentially four-year starter, depending on how Buckner's career goes. So um, it's huge. It, it, it honestly is huge. And, and like you uh, extrapolated a second ago, he has plenty of weapons coming in ahead of him. <clears throat> um, one thing I did want to touch on is a couple of key losses that we uh, we either missed out on or, or ha- lost a commitment from. One was uh, a five-star offensive lineman from Pennsylvania, Nolan Rucci. Uh, and the five-star, I mean, his brother plays on Wisconsin, so he ended up committing to Wisconsin, so not that many people were surprised. But it, you know, Penn State was in play, Clemson was in play, Notre Dame was in play, Michigan. Uh, ultimately, he landed in, uh, in Wisconsin. So it, it stinks because we have such a good offensive line at this point to add another five-star. Uh, and and just shore that up and basically as you know guarantee you know like the best offensive line in football once again for the for years to come would have been great. So it kind of stinks that we weren't able to pull him, but you know there there's legacy there at at Wisco. Uh, so it, it's understandable. It just you know it hurts to miss out on that given our recent success. Uh, and then we just had a decommitment from Philip Riley, who is a four-star cornerback, and he was a really, really big get in this class for us. He ended up uh, decommitting. He's he's from Florida, and he's now committed to our hated rivals, USC. Um, so now we have to absolutely despise Philip and wish him nothing but not success for his entire career because he goes to a scumbag program. <clears throat> but a healthy career. A healthy career, just not a good one. Um, so, yeah, that those were kind of two key losses uh, that we had recently, uh, which which kind of stinks. But uh, again, you know, Ryan Barnes is is hopefully the guy that can kind of fill that role, and I think he's got the body and the skills to do so. Uh, and then, you know, there's three guys that are still in play. All of them are heavily trending towards Notre Dame. So don't be surprised if all these pieces fall within the next couple of weeks and we'll obviously be on top of any recruiting news. We have uh, three four-star guys that uh, are on the docket currently as, as a priority targets, which will pretty much clean up the class. Uh, the first is Dante Thornton. He's a four-star wide receiver from Maryland again. Uh, he is 6'5", 185. So to have two four-star wide receivers, one at 6'5", one at 6'4", coming in, you know, again, for a top-quality quarterback, he, he's at the very least in the Elite 11. You know, that could be one hell of a connection for years to come. 
Another wide receiver is Jaden Thomas, six foot one, two hundred and five pounds from Georgia. Again, going into SEC territory and pulling a, f- a four star guy is is huge. So it shows that we're very competitive in the national recruiting scene, as obviously Notre Dame always is because we are a national program and college football is daddy. And then the uh, the last guy just to to make note of, and I'm very sorry if I mess up this name, I try to be cognizant of it, a uh, four-star from Hawaii. Uh, it is Titus Makoya Atamalala. He is a four-star athlete at 6'1", 170. You have to believe he's either in play to be at uh, running back, cornerback, or wide receiver. Uh, I was which- just about to ask, where are they going to play him? Yep, and, and uh, you know, depending on how talent shakes out and and how the roster builds over the next couple of years, you could see him being one of those guys, uh, almost like a Theo Riddick type, almost like a, a Jafar Armstrong type that can go back and forth between running back or or wide receiver, and then also depending on the secondary, he looks like he can kind of plug and play there, maybe even like as a nickelback. So, um, a lot of talent that's hopefully still all rolling in again all guys are i believe like an eight or higher confidence trending towards notre dame so it'd be surprising if we don't close out all three it's really with thornton because i i just i thought he was trending towards oregon that's the Uh, way i thought it was last i checked which was about 15 minutes before showtime he was trending nd so it looks like he's kind of a flippy floppy let's uh let's hope we can really we can pull him in because that would be huge uh, you know, to, you know, he'd be closer to home if he were in Notre Dame than, than going out West coast. And hopefully that's the pitch. And then the obvious pitch is uh, Buckner play style, national relevance and academics. Uh, so, well, I'd say regardless, there's three receivers in this class with, yeah. if you, if you count, um, the other fellow you mentioned, is that Thomas? Yes. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, you've got exactly. uh, Colsey, Thomas, and then uh, Styles. Uh, so adding a fourth would just be unbelievable. Um, I wanted to mention one more thing. There is a cornerback currently committed to Northwestern who is actually per 24-7 favored to go to Notre Dame. They're expecting a decommitment uh, shortly. So that's another corner Notre Dame could be on after losing up on Philip Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, before we just kind of wrap things up here, um, recruiting trending in the right direction this class is destined for top 10 are you feeling that maybe a national title realistically in terms of roster talent is is in our cards i think buckner's the missing piece and and that that's why he he is the uh, the cornerstone of everything he uh you know the way that the quarterback position has played out in recent years transfers the whole nine to have a guy coming in that looks to be basically the surefire starter with loads of talent and a ton of uh, of skill players and talent around him, it, it, he feels like just it, quarterback has always been the missing piece. And even when we've had the quarterback, then we haven't had the team around him. Uh, you know, in in a, for a perfect example, Deshaun Kaiser. So um, you know, it's it's just exciting to to know that our defense for years has constantly been trending up. Kyle Hamilton, the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. I'm sorry if that was sacrilegious to any of our religious uh, <laughs> supporters or followers. Um, yeah, you know He's going to be the staple of our defense for at least one more season. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think a title is in play because I, I think a title is in play this year. So 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to believe in my heart that we're trending towards a championship and not only just one, but but sustained playoff success over the next couple of years, the way that our last couple of uh, classes have shaken out. How about yourself? I think uh, I think that level and talent in terms of recruiting pool is reaching that level of consistent elite playoff caliber. I think um, this class, this next I'll call it era of Kelly team if Kelly stays for it. You know, the Buckner years. You know, we'll say from from Hamilton all the way through to Buckner. Uh, I think there will be enough talent to win a title. I don't know if they will, but I I can see, because I've always argued the reason we haven't won one is not Kelly's fault. It's the university's fault for replacing so many restrictions on recruiting that we're just recruiting a, a smaller pool. Um, and I think even within that pool, we've done a really good job of focusing on offensive linemen and then now skilled players. So when you add that skilled players component to a Clarkley defense, hope, hopefully he stays on as defensive coordinator. Um, I feel really, really good about our chances as just a, a roster, just looking at that roster and feeling we have less holes than usual. Um, Whatever Clarkley demands for a salary, double it. <laughs> That's awful negotiation. Notre Dame has the money. We just just pay him all of the money. We need him. That's a fair point. All right, so let's just wrap things up here. Um, now that we've had a pause, a week pause, we're on bye week officially. There'll be no game next week. How are you feeling about the season, looking back on our two games and looking forward to the remaining games and having seen the SEC play in one week? Are you are you feeling better than preseason, worse? What are your better. thoughts? Better. Better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Georgia doesn't look nearly cracked out to what they were. LSU has obviously fallen. Um, and and make no mistake about it, there's still two great programs that could knock off Alabama, that could knock off Florida. So it looks like cannibalization might be in full-blown effect in both the Big 12, in the uh, in the SEC. And I, I think that the ACC is, is absolutely up for grabs. Um, Clemson, strong didn't exactly blow the doors off the Citadel. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. They're obviously still a top tier program, but they obviously have lost a ton of talent to the draft in recent years. So there's, they still have tons of recruiting talent that has come through. They, I just feel like they're a little bit younger than normal. So, you know, who, who knows? Uh, and, and this could be a year where, um, you know, where Trevor Lawrence is basically playing to protect his draft stock, not playing to win championships. So you just, you never know how these things are going to shake out. So I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm high, I'm high, I'm high on life. I'm high on, I'm high on the Irish. I love it. I, I think that we, uh, it, it's our season to lose effectively. You know, the destiny's in our hands right now. We need to play Notre Dame football, great defense, strong offensive line, responsible on offense. You know, Ian book manage those freaking games and I think it's, uh, you know, this, the playoffs are ours to lose at this point. Yeah, I think what we've learned is kind of what we already have known, that, you know, the path to the playoff is within our own hands. We have to beat Clemson at least once, possibly twice. Uh, you win the ACC, you're in. Uh, but if you beat Clemson early and lose to them in the title game, who knows? And that's kind of, that who knows, that scenario is what we're trying to puzzle out. And with the with Oklahoma losing and with the Pac-12 not clearly not getting enough time and, and with potentially a Big Ten winner having a loss, which is not over the realm of possibility, mm. uh, that possibility of Notre Dame getting in despite not winning the ACC is, is out there. Um, I would say in terms of confidence level with the schedule, I feel the same with the caveat that 
book has not performed to my expectation and the ACC has looked better. But assuming we can, you know, get enough out of book and hopefully not just get enough, but but utilize him to get the most out of book, which we know he he can do, um, then I would feel pretty pretty good about this. So I think with all that being said, uh, I I think we could wrap this up here. And I would like to say, what other podcasts, what other Notre Dame content are you being fed in the middle of a bye week? after not playing the week before. And I'll tell you the answer. It's only the Four Horsemen podcast. I did not fact check that, so please don't. And <laughs> therefore, you guys must tune in, engage, five-star ratings, anything you can, because we love to have you. We look forward to having you for the rest of the season. We've been getting great engagement from from all of you on social media. I think we may have an Instagram account. I don't know. We'll have to ask Steve about that one. Uh. Yes, we technically do. We have like two followers though, and I'm one of the two followers. If you want, if if people are down to start following the Instagram, I will absolutely start posting more. It's just like you know, I I it it's hard to to manage uh, creating content for Instagram to uh, me being fifty percent of the following. So as you guys start jacking up those follows, I'll start jacking up posts. That's my promise to you. Instagram sucks anyway. It doesn't matter. Here we are. <laughs> the best Notre Dame podcast place you can get around the funniest hosts, the best looking hosts, the smartest hosts. I think that is undisputed. Everyone is saying so. Um, so tune in next week, guys, uh, give us a shout on Twitter. Uh, we'll have some engaging content and we look forward to the rest of the season. Steve, do you have anything to say? Um, obviously my thoughts are make Notre Dame great again and go Irish. How about you, man? Go Irish, beat the bye. <laughs>